What's going on, everyone? It's Bales, and welcome back to another episode of AFL Fantasy Head to Head. We've got two players against one another and see who we pick out of the two. We're up to episode five of uh, the series, uh, which is actually no, episode six, sorry, episode six, um, missing uh, one there. So, episode six. So, we've got six uh, episodes in, and every episode we get a special guest on, and joining me is uh, again one of my favorites, uh, him and Luke at Ball Boys. Doing great content there and legend of a bloke uh, is Mitch from Ball Boys. Mitch, mate, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bales. Uh, consumed by AFL fantasy footy at the moment and uh, spending a lot of my days um, this time of year just getting, diving straight into the stats, digging in and uh, changing my fantasy team a lot this time of year. So uh, it's, it's you know, no one's wrong, no one's right just yet. It's a glorious time and uh, our hopes and dreams are still alive <laughs> before the season starts. So yeah. keen to get stuck in today, mate. Yeah, exactly right. As soon as the new year, as soon as January first hit, I saw all the pods and stuff get got released, and it's like, yeah, fantasy switched on. It was BBL for a bit there, and and whatever, but no, it's it's all it's all fan, uh, AFL fantasy now. But uh, we got another duo, and we're going to be talking about today. So it's going to be two uh, midfielders that we uh, both anticipate uh, to break into that one hundred and five plus uh, average, potentially one hundred and ten or even more uh, than that. And that is going to be Luke Davies, Uniac. And Sam Walsh, obviously both very, uh, very similarly priced, both under 900k there. So I'm going to be taking uh, LDU, and Mitch is going to be taking Sam Walsh. So I'll start with LDU. I'll go in a, a price uh, order. So we'll start um, with LDU uh, to begin. So LDU last year was a very, very similar name uh, that we were talking about, sort of in the same vein of can he break into that 110 range? And he started well, uh, scored 108 against West Coast, 123 against Frio. And we thought, yep, this guy's got to be something, uh, someone to get on. And then if uh, a lot of Pete, a lot of LDU owners from last year, probably got a sour taste in their mouth, especially from round three, because he's going to play Hawthorne. And he was, uh, a late out is saying it very, is, is probably not quite really giving a good context because this was right at the bounce. He was essentially uh, withdrawn and People um, got drawn into donuts and and this that and the other and might not have had uh, very good cover at best on on the bench. So um, came back the following week, scored ninety one while getting tagged by Ed Kerno. Then he got a seventy six and a sixty six. Didn't really look like the LDU that we've we've seen. Mister Week uh, scored a sixty nine and a ninety five. Then uh, proceeded to miss um, five weeks and then had his buy. So six weeks in total there. Came back against the Crows with 63, not great. Um, sort of first game back, did get managed. But it was this is the the key point that we are looking at LDU and think that he could go on a bit of a tear. So from around 17 to 22, he scored um, 122, 138, 104, 120, 82, and 107. For, so from those six games, five tons, one score obviously below the 182, but then uh, four of the three of the five scores. Um, were over 120. So that's the thing we've talked about. We obviously saw this in the back half of 2022 as well, where he did put um, this good stretch of games together. I'm just getting up the exact scores and stuff right now. Um, here we go. While we uh, it loads, my computer is not very quick, unfortunately. Um, and it is still loading. But average 93. In 2022, um, had a final three-week average of 110 and final five weeks was 102.2, and it is still loading. So I don't know if it's – oh, here we go. No, it finally uh, decided to uh, load for me. So, yeah, from 
pretty much round, uh, after his bye um, from around 16 onwards. Um, 127, 145, 108, 113, 68, 111, 129, and 90. So pretty good finish there. But the one knock on LDU is uh, his sort of uh, his injury history, um, and that's sort of what I'm going to throw to you, Mitch, is that LDU is, prom- is promising so much uh, heading into 2024. He promised so much last year as well. Just It was just injuries that really sort of affected uh, him maybe elevating himself into that 105 average and plus bracket. Um, what, do you, what do you see with LDU heading into 2024? Do you see that these injury things are a bit of a cause for concern or do you think it might have just been a bit of bad luck and uh, that luck might finally be able to break in uh, 2024? Yeah, I mean, like last year was a bit of a disaster season for him in terms of consistency. Like we, like you said, he started the year on fire. I was one of those poor souls that had him, you know, start the year. I was loving life for the first two rounds. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was watching that game and um, saw that he was a laid out, scrambled to get him in. But I, I didn't want to risk being midway through trading him out and not knowing who was going to trade in. I was also, I remember I was trading in Jack Zebel that game. So I didn't want to stuff up my trade. So I ended up just leaving it cop the uh the score from the bench the, the uh, emergency and then it didn't seem right from that point on until like you said after his buy and uh but if we if we take that in isolation there's one injury and i think i think correct me if i'm wrong i think he did a hammy as well later on yeah. which caused him to miss a bit of time so you've got two two injuries there whether or not they're related or not um they're a little bit up for debate, but previous to that, the past season, 21 games, the year before that, he played 20 games. And then the, the sort of the season before that, it wasn't the same LDU that we know at the moment. He was not the guy that was cemented in the in the North Best 22. So a lot of those games are not because he was injured, it's because he was kind of in and out of the team at the time. So I don't necessarily think if we can then just after one kind of disappointing season slap the injury prone tag on a player like LDU he is still a very young player he's still not yet 25 years old um and when you move into the midfield there's you know we've seen it with players like Zach Butters and things like that in the past you can have these bumps and bruises when you get exposed into the midfield a bit more but sooner or later your body does get better at adjusting to the kind of physicality of the game and, and I do think that this can happen for Luke Davis Uniac assuming he's healthy going into the the season he's got an uninterrupted preseason I'm personally of the um, side that I'm not taking into account his injury history which is really only last season too heavily and uh, I'm going to sort of cross my fingers and hopefully he stays um, you know, healthy for as long as possible for him to get some fantasy points on the park for me. So as far as his injury concerns go, I'm, I'm not super worried personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I fully agree as well. I'm not too worried. I think it was a little bit of just sort of bad luck really. Um, and as you say, the seasons leading up to that did play over 20 games in those couples. So, and then before that wasn't the player. So uh, I'm, I'm keen to uh, sort of get your take on what, he could average well what you project him to average. Um, I've got him 105 plus. I've got him pushing that 110 range because he does fill all those stat lines regardless of any defensive attention that he may cop from someone. Do you sort of see him around that spot? Do you have a bit less? Do you maybe have him a bit higher um, than what, um, what, do you, what do you reckon? I think I think the 110 plus would be very bullish. I've got him around that 105, 106, 107 kind of a range. He did average 107 between those rounds one and two. And then obviously he was the late out. So I took those two games into account. And then after his buy, if you just counted those games, he averaged the 107.4 points last season. And to me, this feels like what LDU is. Um, now, there's a few other things happening at North and whether or not they're able to improve a little bit more this season. 
Um, I'm not too worried about the kids coming in and taking in his fantasy scoring. If anything, if they can just possess the ball a bit more, I think that can help a player like LDU. So I think he can he can comfortably be a 105 plus. Maybe he gets to 110. I wouldn't rule out the possibility he's like you know he really breaks out and you know does does sort of like a Tuke Miller where he's just the best player on a poor side and um, just you know head and shoulders above everyone else on the team. I wouldn't necessarily project it to be that way, but I've got him yeah about that 106 107 mark at this stage, which I think is yep. enough value to select him as a guy who doesn't have the early buy. Uh, in in the AFL season. Yep, I fully agree. I'm going about the same as well. Turning over um, to the other side of the coin in this uh, head-to-head battle is uh, Sam Walsh, who has got the early buy. So it's going to be very interesting your take on that, Mitch. So uh, why should Pill be selecting Sam Walsh in 2024, regardless of that opening buy that he's got? Well, Sam Walsh is he's he's honestly one of my favorite players to, to watch. I, I love the way he goes about it. He reminds me very much of like an Andrew Brasher in the way that he is always working extremely hard, has the extremely um, you know high level endurance running capacity that we've seen ever since his rookie season. He has gone at the heights of 109 before, so we know that he has that in him. He's a guy that can be a top eight midfielder. Even he's proven that even in his young career so far, he's going to have the first round matchup against the Richmond Tigers in round one, which I think might be a bit of an easy uh, scoring team so far this season. And then as soon as he comes off his bye, he versus North Melbourne and Fremantle, uh, two teams again. I think that are also good matchups for him. He also went bananas in the finals, which we saw last season. So if I just bring up his stats in the finals. He had that 140 against the Demons in the semifinal, 105 in the prelim, and 101 in the elimination final. So all tons across all his finals. His CBA numbers uh, vaulted up in those games as well. So in those games, he had uh, 79, 58, 67% CBAs, which was much higher than what he had for a big chunk of the season prior to that as well. So for the season, he averaged 55%. Over those stretch of games, he was in the uh, high 60 70% uh, mark. So if that number can come up, the scoring should easily come up there as well. And um, he's, he's just a jet. And whilst there are a lot of people thinking that it's an easy decision to lock him in there, 30% um, ownership on AFL Fantasy, which is one of the higher ones out there. He's priced at, what is he priced at? Under 95 points. So he's got maybe as much as 15 points of upside and can be a top eight midfielder. All very, very encouraging things. And in a regular season, you would absolutely pick a player like this. Uh, it is that early round buy that, you know, makes things a little bit more murky. But yeah. those would be the reasons as to why you would start him. And you think that he just has so much value that even if you cop a small hit at the start of the season um, by having a rookie play instead of him in that round two, the amount of value you're getting from him makes up for it across the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the one thing I want to ask you about as well is that this is probably the first player in sort of the series that we're really going to talk about. Oh, actually, technically, Sam Flanders from the from the last episode was a little bit like that, but Sam Walsh obviously has that early buy. What's your take with these opening buys? Uh, for me, I think it's those players over a million dollars I'm just not touching, and those players over nine fifty, especially in the midfield, I'm not touching. Whereas Goss at Sam Walsh, Sam Flanders, uh, even a, a Kitty Coleman, some people are looking at, and obviously got some cheap players like Zach Williams. What's your take with with a guy like Sam Walsh with this opening round buy? He's got some good fixtures around. Is is that 
are you fine starting him and, and having someone like a Jeremy Sharp or a Darcy Wilson or something like covering him for a week? Or are you maybe looking to avoid and bring him in post his round two bye? Look, it's still early, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to, to be swayed either way. At my current point of time, I'm in the camp of I'm likely to fade a Sam Walsh, but um, like I said, I could be talked into either way. It, it's going to come down to what do we see his role like in the um, you know round zero matchup because throughout the season, his role was fairly volatile, like, like we sort of referenced. In the finals, it was great. But there was a large chunk of the season there where he was playing heavy time coming off the half-forward line, playing a bit more wing time. Um, There was a big chunk of games before his injury in round 19 where he wasn't scoring very well. He was scoring quite poorly. And if you're going to grab a guy who's got that early round by and is at a disadvantage, you're going to be wanting to be pretty bloody sure that he is the value that you think he is and he's the premium scorer that you think he is because... Whilst he's not a million dollars and he is value, like any other season, I would definitely be here saying this guy's he's got upside, he's got value, and I'd be looking at him very heavily. He's still yeah. 854,000, and you're not picking him as a guy that you're going to trade out, you know, soon after the buy or, or, or before the normal buys this year. So, him running up in cash is not as important, I don't think, as someone like you mentioned, uh, a Kadeen Coleman or a Zach Williams, where their cash increase is extra important because you're going to then turn that into a trade down the line and get them out of your team and and capitalize on that. Whereas a Sam Walsh increasing in money only really helps because other people don't jump on. And if they do jump on, they jump on at a, a more expensive price point. Whereas especially in the midfield, those 105 averaging guys, there's, there's a dime, they're a dime a dozen. There's so many guys that you can choose from. Yeah. So we're not limited to, we have to have Sam Walsh. We have to have Sam Walsh. Even if he is a bit of value, there's just a few other options like an LDU, which you you talked about, that I think we can maybe pivot towards. And even if Walsh is slightly better than an LDU, the confidence and and um you know and the other thing is like LDU is going to be the number one guy at North. Sam Walsh, whilst I think is probably the number one talent, his versatility maybe is a bit of an undoing for him. So I'm leaning towards fading, but I could be talked elsewhere at this stage. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm currently fading as well, just because of the fact of that opening buy, and, I, and I'd like to have a look at him and see that role for at least two games in, against Brisbane in the opening round, then also against Richmond. But I think that me and Warney had this discussion with uh, Grundy and Cherry that if these players that have got the opening buy, if they come out and they if Walsh comes out and puts up a one twenty. A lot of people, including probably myself, and and you might even be the same as well. If he goes one twenty plus in the opening round, it's going to be it's going to be hard for me to leave him out, um, knowing what he can do, and especially if that role is good as well. If, if he puts up a one twenty, yeah. he's playing a forward flank. I think you probably don't quite look at it. But if he's playing full time inside mid, and he gets a one twenty, um, I think that could be something that sways. Is that maybe something that might sway you if he's got that good role and puts up a big score in round one? Yeah, to me, the role is the biggest thing, right? Like we talk about preseason, the role is everything. Now, it's a little bit more this case this year that the the scoring impacts it because it's going to affect his price movements after that first round. But like I said, the price only really matters if you're going to trade him out, if you're starting with him, uh, or if you're not going to start him, that you're going to want to get him in at a, you know, cheaper points after his buy, for example. But 
if you're fading him, you, you've got to kind of be at peace with maybe if maybe he's not going to be the player you're going to get immediately after his buy, um, and you just look elsewhere. And the reason that I'm I'm happy to do that is because in the midfield there are so many options normally. Um, say he was a forward, I would definitely be more in the camp of okay, we we can start this guy because there just aren't as many options available, or at least there aren't at this stage of the preseason with all that we know. So. Um, it's it's really tough. It's going to depend a lot on everything else going around. So he might come out and score 120 and have a great role, but I've loved what I've seen from Jack Steele or LDU or Tuke Miller or all these other guys, and maybe I just prefer that. Maybe some of those other guys have flopped, and I haven't liked what I've seen in their preseason, and I'm really kind of lost on where I'm going to go when, and Sam Walsh is popping. Okay, I'm just going to lock that in, cop that round two by. It's really going to be looking at everything else around it rather than just fixating on what he does and what he can do because I think there's a lot of moving pieces with this sort of early buy stuff. Yeah, yeah, very, very good points there as well. Um, and just to have a look at the ownership, as you say, 31.36% for Sam Walsh at time recording, and LDU is currently sitting at 11.47%. So there is discrepancy there in terms of ownership, but it is time to pick who we would be going out of these two. I know you were saying before uh, we started recording that, it's a pretty easy decision for you who you're picking out of these two. So who are you picking out of uh, LDU and Sam Walsh? Yeah, look, for me, I'm trying to take the emotion out of it because this guy burnt the shit out of me last year. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to be taking LD useless, uh, as Luke likes to call him. And uh, I'm going to roll the dice again. I still think this guy's a, a jet of a player. And I still think we haven't seen a fully fit LDU for long stretches. And this just might be the year that it happens. Maybe I'm starting up for more pain this season. But uh, for me, I'm going the uh, Luke Davis Uniac at this stage. Yep, I am the same as well. I'm going LDU out of these two. Um, I just think as well, with the fact that you've got like your Wardlaw and Josh Simpkin will be there, Harry Sheaves might be moving in. I think this is actually a good thing for LDU because it's not like he's going to get pushed out of the midfield. He's going to be the number one banana in there. And uh, I think these guys around him are actually going to be able to help him get in the ball more, sort of just support him in this. I think LDU is in for a good year. Um, I've currently got LDU in my side. I don't have Sam Walsh. You're the same as well. You've got LDU and don't have Sam Walsh. Yeah, I do at the moment. Um, yeah, I think the other thing that also just leans me this way is that they're both at a similar price point. Now, Sam Walsh is cheaper, um, but it's not that much to stretch yourself up to get an LDU and just avoid that headache of the early season buy because we can all have these great plans, um, you know, trading people out and in around these sort of things. But as soon as injuries strike, those plans can change very quickly. One more point I want to make on um, Sam Walsh as well and yeah. the Carlton uh, team as a whole is – for the entire season, they were the second highest scoring fantasy team for the competition. But in the last five matches, they their game plan changed fairly dramatically and their scoring as a team dropped to below uh, half. They were actually, what is that? 18, 17, 16, 15, 14. They were the 13th ranked uh, team when it came to fantasy scoring uh, in the last five matches compared to being second for the entire season. So, Big drop-off at the end of last season, and that tied into them actually winning a lot of footy. So it worked for them. They were moving the ball around a lot more, and we saw it affect the uh, numbers of someone like a Sam Walsh. Different in the finals, so there's a bit of a discrepancy there of which is the real Carlton this season. Um, but again, all of this is saying that there's just a few too many unknowns for me to lock in a player of his price points when I know he's going to be missing a game early in the season. Yeah, yeah, very good point uh, right there. So... 
Beautiful. Well, that'll uh, cap us off for another episode of AFL Fantasy Head-to-Head. Let us know in the comments below if you are starting LDU or Sam Walsh inside. Let us know who you pick out of the two. And just any other questions, put them in the comments below. But Mitch, thank you very much for jumping on for this episode of AFL Fantasy Head-to-Head. Where can the people find you and Luke uh, on the socials? And also, where can people get involved with... uh, all boys AFL fantasy uh, on YouTube and on the podcast because uh, it's a uh, great content you're putting out there. Yeah, mate. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at All Boys Fantasy. You can follow Luke on Twitter at Luke Rojo Seventeen. He's a little bit less active these days. I think he's he's trying to stay away from a bit of the toxicity out there. But um, <laughs> be be nice to the be nice to the fella. Um, but you can find both of us talking shit, talking fantasy all throughout the preseason and into the season uh, on YouTube, like you said, Ball Boys AFL Fantasy, or on your podcast wherever you listen to it, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're there. Um, so go in, uh, hit the subscribe button. We're on our quest for 2k subscribers so help us out there if you haven't already um we usually at the moment we're putting out three podcasts a week going through each of the positions this week we're doing midfielders we've just uh released our premium mids uh and then we're about to release our um mid pricer mids so we talked about sam welsh and ldu in the previous podcast and then we've got a few of those cheaper options coming up and then we're also doing a bit of draft stuff this year as well not Nothing too much, sort of deciding how much we're actually going to spend time doing it, but my draft rankings will be coming out later in the week. So, uh, yeah, lots lots happening at Ball Boys HQ. So go and check it out. Uh, yeah, no, get around it. Friday show is always great. Um, so if you guys haven't tuned, that's always a really good fun. On a Friday night with a few cold ones, mate. Uh, Absolutely. Off, they uh, will be they good. will be coming back, and I'm sure there'll be so much to discuss with everything going on this year. We're never short of... Uh, shit to talk about and carnage to uh to react to so yeah exactly right and you said you're only rated 2k on the same so on their rated 2k so whoever hasn't subscribed to the ball boys that's on my channel subscribe there and then ball boys uh fantasy guys <laughs> maybe you return the favor and then we can get to 2k um this season as well and Absolutely. also just quickly do you want to plug as well yeah you, you got some nba stuff uh going on as well obviously not related to a for fantasy but as well yep. do you want to give it a quick plug yeah, yeah. So uh, my other original channel is the uh, Ball Boys uh, Fantasy Basketball YouTube channel and podcast. So you can go check that one out. Um, so middle of the season there, obviously. But if you're heading over to your NBA playoffs or stuck in the middle of the season and you want to get your waiver wire claims in, uh, go and check that one out. We do a few shows a week over there as well. So yeah, Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball for all you NBA fantasy fanatics out there as well. Beautiful. Get involved around that as well. Most of you follow me at BalsDT on Twitter and Instagram and or X, as we keep saying. I'm still not going to get used to that. Probably still ah, it's Twitter, Twitter man. Yeah. It's, it's always going to be Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all in the description, uh, all the other social media links in the description below. Make sure you're going to follow uh, me across all of those and go follow Mitch, Luke, and the Ball Boys, wherever you get your uh, podcasts and social media and all that good stuff. Next episode will be another special guest. Uh, wasn't as active last year, but he's going to be he's back in the fantasy cells this year. And we're looking at um, a couple of premium midfielders. Um, my boy, that's a spoiler alert. But, um, yeah, we're going to be looking at uh, a couple of premium mids that are going to be potentially the number one scoring mid uh, for the scene. So make sure you tune into that one. And we'll catch you guys in the next one. So we're out. Cheers. <laughs>